So where are you right now? You think you are in a globe spinning at 1,000 miles an hour. That globe is spinning around the sun at 60,000 plus miles an hour. That solar system is flying sideways through the galaxy at half a million miles an hour. And that galaxy is going through the rest of the universe at millions of miles an hour. And you feel nothing. That's Mark Sargent, articulate, charismatic, an all-around nice guy. He's nice to his mom. Uh, I don't deserve you. Okay, here we go. And she's really tolerant of his um, excesses. And I said, oh, Mark, what are you on to now? And Mark is also a really big critical thinker. In reality, you are actually in a giant planetarium slash terrarium slash soundstage slash Hollywood backlot that is so big that you and everyone you know and everyone you've ever known never figured it out. This is The Purple Principle, a podcast about the perils of polarization. I'm Robert Pease. And I'm Emily Corsetti. And our featured guests today are not Flat Earth celebrity Mark Sargent and his good-natured mom. It's the two exceptional young filmmakers, director Daniel Clark and producer and editor Nick Andert. They feature Mark and several other engaging Flat Earthers, and they're totally worth watching documentary Behind the Curve. Join us today as we continue to explore the social psychology of conspiracy theories and cults, this time a distorted view of our planet that Greek philosophers first corrected back in the 5th century BC. And you might think that believing that the Earth is flat is just another wacky conspiracy theory gone viral, soon to be replaced by another. But anything viral can become social in our digital age, such as the many conspiracy theories poisoning our politics in recent time. In the case of Flat Earth Thinking, that community has been growing steadily for years now, possibly decades. In fact, that's one of the great insights from Behind the Curve, how important that social dimension can be for believing just about anything. Even that a NASA-led conspiracy has the whole world falling for things like gravity. This documentary builds towards a social big bang, if you will, for the Flat Earthers, their first international conference with over a thousand attendees. But let's kick off our interview with Daniel and Nick on the very origins of this project. How did they gain the trust of Flat Earthers to pull this off? A documentary on a group that's so wary of all those round earthers. Beginning with Nick Ander. I saw a thread online of people talking about Flat Earthers in their own life. And until that time, I had thought that Flat Earth was just a joke like in the sense that no one actually believed that people just pretended to to troll people online or something but there were so many people coming forward and saying like oh my brother's a flat earther my coworker is so on and so forth and i was like wait a minute people actually like sincerely believe this for real and i started looking into it and realizing that it was actually a shockingly large community online and daniel and i had been looking to do a movie together for some time we've worked together a lot and we wanted to sort of break out on our own and we thought this would be an amazing first topic to do for a documentary. And then we brought our colleague Caroline Clark in and uh, the three of us uh, went from there. So we're wondering, was it difficult to get access to people like Mark and the other, let's call them protagonists? How did you describe the project to them and what kind of a relationship did you have? Yeah. 
early on, it was very easy because we reached out to Mark first and we told him that we were doing a documentary on the flat earth community and the movement itself. We never claimed to be flat earthers. We never pretended to be anything we weren't. And so he said, if you're willing to come up here, I'll talk to you and give you the time on camera. And so we did that. And then when we finished with him, we knew we wanted to pursue it further. And he offered to introduce us to different people in the community. So he he was kind of a gatekeeper for us. And then everybody else kind of fell in from there. And every person we talked to opened a door to talk to more people. So as we went, people in the community started knowing who we were and what we were doing. They would see us on like their YouTube shows that they had, they would see us in the background filming and they would talk about us for a second and that kind of got the word out that we were making this. When you met Mark and, you know, you see what a nice guy he is, he's kind to his mom, he's, you know, very generous seemingly with his time and his energy. Did you have like kind of a eureka moment? Like, this is not what we expected. This is not what people will expect. Therefore, it uh, makes for great material. In a way, yes. And and Nick was the first to really watch the footage back because he was editing these scenes. And I, I was there in person and I definitely felt like, you know, talking to Mark was very easy. We got along very well. He was kind, as you say, like he's, he's just a kind person in general across the board. But we knew we had a sense of humor, but his mom was definitely a surprise for us because we didn't really expect her to be part of it. And she was very much part of it. Yeah, well, it seems like she's a very good mom and she, you know, humors him. She's not quite ready to go all the way, though. She's probably the only character, correct me if I'm wrong, who's kind of in the middle. You know, she was definitely walking a fine line with Mark because she doesn't want to say anything against her son. But, you know, she doesn't love the fact that he's really known for Flat Earth. And uh, she was humoring him a bit, but also she you know, felt it better to kind of give in to what he was saying rather than try to push him away for any reason. She felt that their relationship was more important than whether or not his beliefs were true, which is not the case for a lot of flat earthers. A lot of flat earthers push their family away and there's just this conflict that ends up being disastrous to their personal lives. Yeah. Or vice versa. The families will push the flat earthers away. Yeah, and it's worth noting too that the um one of the reasons that we were so drawn to Flat Earth as a story, besides just the obvious like this is wild, you know, aspect of it, is the fact that it's such a great window into conspiratorial thinking that most people would be open to considering in the sense of if you talk about a lot of the conspiracies that are actually widespread, like let's say right now anti-vaxxers, like the anti-vax beliefs are extremely widespread in the US and even worldwide at this point. And if we attacked the topic of conspiratorial thinking from a belief system like that, that is very widespread, instantly so many people would shut down and refuse to consider the possibility that, you know, they were wrong because it's part of their identity, just like we talked about in the film, but there are so few flat earthers compared to, you know, other belief systems that are conspiratorial that 99.99% of people can agree. Yes. The earth isn't flat. So that allows us to bypass the question of whether or not they're right entirely, because that's a foregone conclusion. And then we can just talk about the why in a much more objective way. And 
a lot of those same behaviors and underlying reasons that they've come to believe this are relevant across so many different other conspiratorial belief systems that it allows us to sort of get a backdoor into talking about that without pushing people away right up front. Well, I would imagine Mark would say that they're going to blow past the anti-vaxxer movement any day now. Um, Probably would, yeah. The number of people who think the world is flat is growing. Thousands, if not millions of people. A lie is a lie, even if everybody believes it. That's another clip from Behind the Curve, the documentary by our guests Daniel Clark and Nick Andert, about the puzzling popularity of the Flat Earth movement. But Flat Earthers are hardly alone in the universe of misinformation. Two episodes ago on The Purple Principle, we spoke with medical misinformation expert Dr. Janine Guidry of Virginia Commonwealth University. She talked about the critical role social media plays in the anti-vaccine community. And I've always had an interest in vaccines. It's one of the big public health triumphs over time. So I decided to look at Pinterest and see if there were vaccine-related posts, and if so, how were they framed? How were people talking about those? And to my great surprise, I looked at a sample of 800 pins randomly selected. More than 75% of all those pins were strongly anti-vaccine. Social media has also been hugely important for flat earthers, who are extremely prolific in their online videos and podcasts and posts. In fact, Mark's Flat Earth videos have had more than 19 million views and counting. Is the Flat Earth movement a conspiracy theory or something like an actual cult? The film explores that question as it builds towards that first international conference. In a recent episode, we spoke with cult therapist and podcaster Rachel Bernstein, host of Indoctrination, on the difference that she sees between a conspiracy theory that may be widely shared and a full-fledged cult to which followers devote their entire identity. There are a number of people who believe in conspiracy theories, and there are a lot of people who are prepping for the end times and building their underground bunkers and believing in the lizard people, et cetera, et cetera. What I think is important is that for some people, they do believe it, the buying their generators and their beans that they can use to grow things after the nuclear war happens or, or the storm comes that they are doing it for themselves. It makes them feel protected. And you have instead people who say, I want to be a part of something. I need to connect with other people who feel the same way. I want to go to marches. I need to know that we're all speaking the same language. Those are the people who join cults. Those are the people who need to be surrounded by it. We see both ends of that spectrum within the Flat Earthers, moments of individuals at home alone spending ginormous amounts of time debating, creating, and sharing Flat Earthery in everything from digital media to books and clocks and motorcycles. But we also see an all-important social dimension that develops online, but then moves offline to meetups in cities around the country. And then finally, the first big conference in North Carolina, which, of course, would be at a hotel with a huge spherical globe on its facade. I guess what goes around comes around. So we asked first Nick, then Daniel, whether most flat earthers seem unable to face the social and ego loss that would come from setting their beliefs aside. Or whether any flat earthers just seem to be playing along, you know, in an oblong kind of way. 
First, Nick Andert. I think it was a little bit to different extremes for different people, but I think there were seeds of doubt in a lot of people. Like, I would certainly say, like, somewhere deep down, I personally at least feel that, like, Mark has these seeds of doubt. But I think, I think people watching it ignore the fact that it's extremely easy for people to lie to ourselves, to protect ourselves, basically, from hard truths. Or, you know, like we said, Mark would lose so much if he admitted this so his entire mind becomes this sort of machine whose sole goal is finding a way to justify this yeah at the conference we found a few people who were there because they were curious it wasn't like they were devotees to the flat earth movement and that's not who the audience was entirely there were a lot of people who were completely all in but there are a few people dipping their toes in just to see what it was all about and i think the community of flat earth is really something else because it's a very welcoming, fun community. I mean, a lot of their fun comes from talking about different conspiracies and people lying and, you know, worldwide sinister activities. But they're nice to each other. With the one caveat that they're all nice to each other if they're on the same, within the same, like, schism of Flat Earth. Because, like, many conspiracy communities, I think it's very easy for them to sort of schism and fracture and for that paranoia that they foster to start turning on each other. And that has definitely happened in the flat earth movement to a huge extent. And uh, their hatred for the other sides of their own community is actually almost worse than like their anger at everyone else. Speaking of that kind of attitude, we had a previous guest, Robert Elliott Smith, an expert on AI, as in artificial intelligence and polarizing algorithms. And he spoke to the role of social media fueling this really big, disturbing trend of mistrusting science and experts generally. One of the reasons that I think populism and AI and AI-mediated media fit together so well because it basically says, don't trust the experts, trust the average of the common man. And I mean, look, I'm all for democracy. I'm all for people's votes to be counted. But one of the ways that we function as a society is by trusting people who have the time to do or know something we don't have the time to do. And if we don't have that kind of trust in other people, then we weaken our human abilities. And uh, that's the situation I think we're in now. Did you see that kind of mistrust of any and all expertise at work with the Flat Earthers? Yeah, 100%. Uh, I'll start and then Nick can join in. But any expert, and, and you see this with a lot of different things, but with Flat Earth specifically, any expert was seen as having a stake in the Earth being a globe or perpetuating in their opinion, a lie that the Earth is a globe. So NASA, for instance, gets a budget to explore space. And to a flat Earther, that budget is then being used to, I don't know, for whatever secret covert various things, or to pay all the CGI artists to pretend it is. And so if you start thinking that everyone who has power, who is telling you something from a position of authority is out to get you, then there's just there's no convincing you of anything because unless you're experiencing it yourself, you're not going to believe it. And yeah, Nick, I'll let you try to make a conclusion from that. <laughs> Thanks. Um, 
there's an open question about whether there's a, a rise of conspiratorial thinking right now or whether we're just noticing it more because of the internet. But I personally feel, at least after working on this project for so long, that the internet's enabled confirmation bias to such a degree where you can search out an opinion that agrees with you before you have to face or, you know, contend with any countervailing information. So, I mean, let's say, you know, if you were in some small town in Nebraska in the 1970s and you said, I think the earth is flat, chances are everyone around you is going to be like, it's not. Now, if you come up with an idea or if you see something and you think, oh, that sounds like that could be true. The first thing you do when you search on the internet, just basic human psychology, you're probably not looking for proofs that it's wrong. You're probably looking for things to prove that it's right. I think one of the, we we certainly saw that one of the biggest motivations for believing in conspiracies in the first place is because there's been such like a democratization of, I mean, social interaction kind of via social media in the sense of like, everyone has the opportunity to have a far reaching voice, right? In a way that they didn't before. Most people are not, you know, wildly influential online. I feel like there it creates this sense of like want of your life is not living up to the modern expectations set by this social media world. So it creates this deep sense, I think, of isolation in people where they feel like they're not participating in society to the degree that they're expected to. And when you're offered these alternative explanations for why things are wrong. I mean, you see it with QAnon, obviously, of like, there's this giant cabal that's holding us back, or there's when you can start to create villains and then assign blame to them, or when you can sort of become someone very important in like some sort of fights where you can create a worldview in which you are fighting the good fight, you're important, you're purpose is suddenly meaningful, then that's extremely attractive to people. Yeah. And another thing would be that, you know, humans are not rational creatures, no matter how much we want to say we are. Even the most rational person is acting out of an emotional response. And I think a lot of people, and this is not just flat earthers, this is everybody, is trying to make order out of chaos in the world. And flat earth and conspiracy thinking is a way to create an order to otherwise chaotic things. Speaking of human irrationality, we had a well-known neuroscientist in season one, Jay Van Bavel of NYU, who talked about what happens to doomsday cults after doomsday passes and nothing happens. And a lot of those people don't re-examine their lives at that point, and instead they actually double down on their identity and say that they've saved the world. Did you observe that kind of response among the flat earth believers? I will say, you know, Flat Earth is one of the conspiracies that any evidence against it is also evidence for it. So anytime they're proven wrong in, you know, quote unquote proven wrong to them is just evidence that someone's trying to shut them down because maybe they feel like they're too close to the truth or whatever reason you might give. So in that sense, I don't think there's necessarily a a doomsday version of Flat Earth, but I do think that people making fun of them or trying to stop them or prove them wrong is just really entrenching them further into their belief. Yeah, I feel like the closest parallel to that sort of the doomsday prediction scenario is the fact that when flat earthers choose to set up experiments, and this happens a couple times in the film, to try to prove their beliefs, 
there's no allowance for them to be proven wrong. I mean, if you're a scientist and you're setting up an experiment, the idea is you want to try to find a way to try to falsify your beliefs, to like try to falsify them as best you can. And if you can't, then the hypothesis stands where the flat earthers are doing the opposite, where they're trying to construct any evidence that supports their belief system. So it's like fake news, but the science version. And that's the thing to bring it really quickly, just back to behind the curve. Like one of the really fascinating things we found with the conspiracy and othering is the fact that all of the flat earthers who didn't meet, especially after the film came out, because after the film came out, they didn't love it for the most part. They, even though I think most people would hopefully think that the film is actually quite empathetic towards them, they would view anything less than a full throat endorsement of their belief system as an attack. And all of the people, like there are now dozens and dozens of conspiracy videos about us online from the fly of the community, but they're almost exclusively from people who don't know us, who didn't meet us through the course of production and theorizing about whatever motivations we may have had or whatever we might have done or who we might be working with. Whereas all of the people we actually filmed with, none of them think that we're with the CIA or we're some part of some vast conspiracy. They're like, oh, they're good people. They're just trying to, you know, they are, they're just doing their thing or something, right? Like once you have that personal experience and connection with people, it's very difficult to other them and to assign these like sinister motivations to them. And I think that's why I think one of the biggest solutions that we can hope for is getting communities simply to interact that get siloed off by social media and that by the way the internet just silos off communities is one of the ways that we can sort of start to bridge divides between communities because they just interact so rarely. Yeah, we were wondering about that because several of the scientists or psychologists that you interview mentioned how important it would be for the scientific community to reach out in some way to flat earthers and start, you know, a dialogue. Are you aware of any efforts and how they were received? So Spiros, um, Spiros Michalakis, who was, I think he was one who actually said that in the film, he afterwards had done two like sort of online group experiment things with some flat earthers, I think, or he basically wanted to like flat earther group calls with a lot of people and just answered questions and talked. And I think they were trying to design an experiment in the aftermath of that. They all really liked him because I mean, he's a very likable guy, but also he was super friendly with them and he answered like whatever questions they had and they had a dialogue. They still, you know, didn't believe him, but they, uh, he became like, Oh, well he's, he's okay. The problem I see is actually not from the side of the conspiracy theorists. It is actually from our side, from the side of science. Very often it's difficult not to look down. The worst case scenarios, you just completely push these individuals at the fringe of society, and then society just lost them. That's another great element of Behind the Curve interviews with scientists and psychologists on the amazing growth of flat earth ideology and what might be done to address that, including astronaut Scott Kelly, who has observed our planet from afar on four different space flights. First time I ever heard about the flat earthers was I think when I was in space last and I saw the stuff on social media. I can't believe I'm talking about this. 
And we should add that the film follows not only Flat Earth celebrity Mark Sargent, whose clips we featured in our episode, but also Mark's possible romantic interest. We never quite know. The articulate and surprisingly thoughtful Flat Earth podcaster, Patricia Steer. I never thought that the name Patricia, which is my birth first name, would be spun into the fact that the last three letters are CIA in the word Patricia, which means I'm in the CIA because the government would be that dumb. Like Mark, Patricia is the subject of many a conspiracy theory from within the Flat Earth community. It started off with me being called a shill, uh, as if I'm doing this for money. And then I was called a Flat Earth honeypot to bring men into Flat Earth and then steer them the wrong way because my last name is Steer. But let's not give too much of the film away. Instead, we hope that you'll watch Behind the Curve and reflect on some of the less rational things you, or someone close to you, may have believed at some point, and the motivations behind those views, social or otherwise. That allows us to better see the fault lines of our nation's polarized politics. I'm sure most, maybe all of our Purple Principle listeners have a friend or family member wholly motivated by one political ideology or another, just as Mark is motivated by flat earthology even when he's talking to his mom. So are there any scientists that are in Flat Earth? No, and they can't be. Next time on The Purple Principle, we'll orbit away from conspiracy theories and cult mentalities contributing to hyperpartisanship and look for a way out. Our guest will be Dr. Peter Coleman, director of the Difficult Conversations Lab at Columbia University. He's the author of the new book entitled The Way Out, How to Overcome Toxic Polarization. Certainty is the collapse of complexity. When you believe without a doubt that they are all idiots, misinformed, and trying to harm our country, and you believe without a doubt that we are all victimized by their insanity, that's a problem, right? And that is ultimately often what our experience is of the other side. Things may get a little complex next episode, but in a good cause. We hope you'll join us then. Tell a friend about the podcast and our research-based newsletter, Purple Principle in Print. You can also connect with us through social media or at purpleprinciple.com, which are linked in our show notes. We'd also love for you to review us on Apple Podcasts. A Canuck named Chris thanked us for the insightful perspective. As a Canadian in the U.S., she says it's difficult to wrap her head around American politics But Chris, it's not easy for us more purple, less tribal Americans either. Special thanks to our featured guests today, filmmakers Nick Andert and Daniel J. Clark, for allowing use of audio from Behind the Curve. The whole documentary is viewable on Netflix and highly recommended. This has been Robert Pease and Emily Cressetti for the Purple Principle team. Allison Byrne, producer. Kevin A. Klein, senior audio engineer. Emily Holloway, digital operations and outreach. Dom Scarlett, Research Associate. Our resident composer is Ryan Adair Rooney. The Purple Principle is a Fluent Knowledge production. <laughs>